Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. And we're back. On this terrific Tuesday, we're glad you're with us today. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of Daybreak Devotions. Do you realize this is our 50th episode of Daybreak Devotions? Wow. Now, I know that's not a big milestone in terms of thinking that, you know, we do this five days a week, but 50-50, you know? There ain't no other way to look at it. And that also means that we are well into the month of March, and, uh, well, I tell you what, it's anybody's. It's anybody's guess as to what uh, what's coming. I mean, weather wise. Oh yeah, <laughs> I like to talk about the weather at least once a week. You got to get it in there, especially when it was such a a disappointing weather event over the past weekend. But like, you did enjoy the snow. I sure while did. While it lasted, I did. I enjoyed my my children's excitement while that lasted. Bless their heart, they were excited on the way to church and really disappointed when they left, and it was all gone. <laughs> I know. I was afraid we were going to need snow plows. And, uh, and, but anyway, we're back here to uh, actually today to finish our study through Psalm 119, verse 105 through 112. And I think if we are diligent today, we can get through the rest of this, this, part, this, this section of the psalm. I believe so. i got to find my place again. Been over here just flipping through all these scriptures. Reminds me of uh, my good friend Anthony Wyke. Yep, one time he was preaching, and uh, at, back at our home church, we were both still members there. This is before God had called us out to the various different things that we've been a part of. Him pastoring all these years, and me other odds and ends, and uh, you know, prison a while, and uh, <laughs> then got shipped off into the service. Speaking of, yeah, you know how some guys they say they used to go before the judge, and he'd say, "You can go to the army or go to jail." I did both. Backwards. And after I got that done, I came to pastor. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But anyway, I remember Anthony was getting ready to preach one time, and uh, this isn't funny, but it was funny in the moment to everybody in the church. He was up there and opened up his Bible, and he had been saying a few things, probably out of like that nervousness of getting started. And uh, he got he was getting ready to, to tell his where he was going to read from, and he was on the wrong page. And he kind of said, oh, oh, wait a minute, I'm on the wrong page. You all excuse me while I flip. <laughs> all right let's see this this is gonna be good you know it's funnier because i know anthony white and so yeah. i can hear him just kind of matter-of-factly and soft-spokenly making that statement and then you could imagine me on the front row <laughs> anyway uh so where were we psalm 119 now i hope you were listening yesterday we can't go back and go through all of that again but we've been talking about how the those who are on the way of the the devout heart are in the way of the devout heart, the way of holiness, are learning that there is only one sure way, one sure source of building our spiritual muscle, and that is by tapping into the strength available to us through God's Word, which is, again, by His grace. And so uh, verse 105-106 kind of outlined it all. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn and I will perform it, that I will keep thy righteous judgment. So we, we got through that part of it yesterday. And the point that we were able to really emphasize was this renewal of promise to obey. That's where, that's where he starts out in this section. He is uh, consecrating uh, himself to God again. He is saying, I am going to keep your word. Your word is my guide. Your word is my source. 
and I will obey that. So there's the renewal of promise to obey. So we're talking about how we tap into this strength available to us. That one's big. I'll say this now and say it before we're done again today. This section begins and ends with resolve. Because if you look at verse 112, it says, I have inclined mine heart to perform thy statutes always, even unto the end. So it begins and ends with resolve. And that resolve is found in the statement or the expression of his faith, but we could say the expression of his intention. Now, having said that, um, we've said many times, I think I might have said this yesterday, we've said many times that intentions are good, but they are left empty without intentionality. And so as we look through the remainder of these verses in this part, we see the intentionality that they bring out, and they show us how, in other words, we're going to fulfill the resolve of being able to boldly and confidently say, I'm going to obey God's word no matter what. So let me, let me take us to the next part then. And I, and I said yesterday, you know, I almost broke this down verse by verse as I outlined it, but in verse 107, here's the intentionality that I see. He is intentionally going to rely on the promises of God in his times of trouble. So we were talking about this this morning. The way is hard. The life in Christ is difficult. Jesus said, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it, because mm-hmm. it is so difficult. And, and if we're going to tap into the strength, the intentionality that we need is to say, I'm not going to try to do this on my own. I'm really going to find myself relying on God's word. And the way he writes it, I am afflicted very much. Do we need to interpret that? It's pretty clear. Job said, man born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. I am afflicted very much. Now, I want to just uh, interrupt us right here and bring out the point that I think kind of goes back to some of what we were talking about earlier this morning, not on the radio, but I don't know that we as particularly American Christians in this Western culture can fully comprehend the meaning of I am afflicted very much. Now, the truth is we are. If, you're a, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are afflicted very much, but I don't know that we can comprehend the depth of that in our life mm-hmm. because we have so many comforts and so many distractions and so many ways to medicate our mind that we are just numb to the reality that we are we're sort of like trapped in this fog and don't even realize it. Yeah, it's almost like... I've been, to, you know, I don't know that I've ever been on morphine or anything like that, but I've been to the hospital. Oh, it's a trip. I, that's what I've heard. <laughs> and, uh, but, but you know, you go and, and you talk to people, and you can see that you know that they're in pain. They've just had maybe major surgery or something like that. And so you know that there is something that's going on, but they're just out of it. They're, they're, they're completely oblivious to the pain because of the medication. Now, I want to stop and say, if I have to have open-heart surgery, and I'm thankful for, for painkillers to help to numb that pain during the healing process. But to the point that you're making, that's what the, the distractions and the things of the world do. We are broken people. We live in a hurt and a hurting society, especially to the children of God. But we can so medicate ourselves in the numbing qualities of the things of this world that we have all sorts of problems going on, but we are unaware of any of them that are wreaking havoc. And I think this is something we talked about months ago, but how how easily we can 
put our mind and our attention into things that are big issues that matter, but that we can't actually do anything about. Yes. And then feel like we're making a difference because we're standing over here on the sideline, you know, screaming and proclaiming our stand on righteousness in things that we cannot really directly impact, all the while ignoring the realities we can impact. We are cheering on the combat in the ring while refusing to engage in the combat in our backyard. I think it'll be okay to say this. We can stand over on the sideline and we can harp and yell against pride, yep. right? And then overlook the needs of the hearts of our own children in our house. Yes. Or our grandchildren, or whoever it may be. Because that takes real courage. That is actually something that you literally have to give yourself into versus standing over here and saying, yep, I stand on the side of what's right, and I'm against all that over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a big sidetrack here, so I guess we got to come back to what we're talking about. But we're, we're talking about how people can be oblivious to the affliction that, that they themselves are in. Anyway, once we recognize the affliction is very much, his prayer is, quicken me, O Lord, according unto thy word. That's where he's going to get his strength to move forward. Because I think, as I have begun learning even in my own life, as I'm more and more aware of the different ways that I'm afflicted and what this affliction looks like, it it heightens and intensifies my own awareness of my inability to do anything about it. Like, I can't fix this problem. I can't, I don't have the strength to win this fight. So it deepens my dependence on Christ. And yeah. that's what the psalmist is saying here. He needs that quickening because he's aware of all of the life-draining stuff that's going on around him, and he knows, I don't have it to do it, Lord. I need you. Listeners, make a note. Read First Peter. Mm-hmm. See what suffering is intended to do for our life. Suffering is allowed in our life to create a dependence on God, sure. not a dependence on the meds. Again, aside from the physical you know, use of prescribed medicines to help people that are recovering and whatever. God intends for us to rely on him in the afflictions of our life. Now, the intentionality here in this reliance would be seen in the disciplines of reading the scriptures, meditating on the scriptures, memorizing the scriptures, just flat out soul saturation in the word of God. That is the intentionality that we see. And from that comes those life-changing experiences with the truth. You know what I'm talking about when I say life-changing experiences with the truth? You know, we can read our Bible. You know, I'll say it like this. I mean, maybe maybe, maybe there's somebody listening. They, they read, they've read their Bible every day for the last week. And, and maybe, you know what, hey, it's good. I, I see what God's Word is saying to me. But there'll come that, mo- that moment or there'll come that verse that will just, like, shoot off fireworks in your yes. soul, so to speak. And, and it just grabs you. And as our friend Deacon Dean would say, it'll hit you in such a way that your allergies start acting up. Yeah. But God really gets a hold of your heart, and it's a life-changing experience with the truth. Now, those come because of saturation with the Word of God. You cannot give too much time to God's Word. Think about this. Somebody said, well, you know, somebody gives too much time to God's Word and neglects their family. Not possible. Right. You may give too much time to your own self-centered study, Yes, But if you're actually giving it to God's Word, it won't leave you in the neglect of your family because it is transformative. 
Psalm 119, going back a little bit to verse 49 and 50, he said, Remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. This is my comfort and my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. And so, again, this has been a, one of those prominent themes throughout the psalm, that the word of God is what keeps us moving forward. All right, so verse 108 then. What's the intentionality here? The verse says, Except I beseech thee the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy judgments. I, I termed this part, or listed, wrote this down, as remuneration of praise for the lessons learned. Ooh, that's a big fancy word. Well, it is, yeah, remuneration. You know, it's like, uh, here's what I'm going to pay back. Here's what yep. I'm going to give. Well, what does he say he's given? He's saying, except I beseech thee the free will offerings of my mouth. So basically, the intentionality here is prayer and praise that is connected to the impact of the Word of God in our soul. The best praying you will ever do and the best worship you will ever offer is that that comes from your soul that has been saturated in the Word of God. I know that music and song and all that is a part of worship, and indeed it is, but unless they are dripping in truth, they cannot help, our, help us in this way. And what we do is we offer to God the prayer and the thanksgiving and the praise, and, and he's saying, and teach me thy judgments. It's almost like, Lord, I'm going to pay you with praise. But give me more of your truth. Yep. I can't live without it. So he's like an addict. Sure. I think I see here a little bit of the the personal aspect of praise. So I, I like music, and I, and I like these things that help to put you in a mindset of worship. But when that really becomes effective is when you are taking the general truth of a song and then applying it to your personal life. You know, um, when we when we think of the the big picture of, you know, victory in Jesus or, you know, something like that that's calling our attention to the big thing, but then we do what this is saying and we start, all right, how have I personally lived this? Wow, Lord, I've, I've got to thank you for this. I've got to praise you for this. You did this for me yesterday or just this hour or just this moment. You are speaking this into my heart and life. When our praise becomes personal, that's what God longs to hear. He doesn't necessarily just want us to Always thank him for the general things that he does, and though those are good, the you know the rain, the weather, all all of that different type of stuff. But when we begin to think and meditate on how is this impacting me personally, now our worship becomes much richer, wealthier, wealthier worship. Yes, write that down. You got it. So then we move to verse one hundred nine, and I put verse one hundred ten with it because here is what it says. My soul is continually in my hand, yet do I not forget thy law. Now, that speaks to me of danger, you know, because the phrase, we, we've heard the phrase before, you know, you're taking your life into your yep. own hands. In verse 110, the wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred not from thy precepts. So I wrote down the remembrance of, of power in the conflict, and, and I guess maybe I overlooked adding that connection to the Word of God. But in other words, what he's doing is, in the conflict of his life, he is intentionally remembering the power that comes through God's Word. And that's what we need to do. That's the intentionality here. See, God lets us find ourselves in a mess of trouble from time to time. Now, why is that? Well, we've already talked about it a little bit, like with suffering, with trials. It is because he wants us to develop this dependence on him. God gets a lot of glory when we're in a mess and we just trust everything to him. And that can be long-duration problems, and that can be you know, uh, a battle today that he just helps us win today. Mm -hmm. Verse 109 says, My soul is continually in my hand, 
when Jonathan was pleading for David's life to, to King Saul, in, in 1 Samuel 19 and verse 5, he said, For he did put his life in his hand and slew the Philistine. Now, that's the first part of the verse. David took his life in his own hands, and he went out there and he killed that giant. Now, if that would have been all Jonathan said, that would have been wrong, right? Wrong, right? Yeah. You would have been correct in the wrongness. Yes. <laughs> so think about that, dear listener. But he goes on to say, And the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel. Thou sawest it and didst rejoice. Wherefore then wilt thou sin against innocent blood to slay David without a cause? So David put his life in his hand and slew the Philistine, and the Lord wrought a great salvation over Israel. And, and Jonathan recognized that. David was willing to trust God and go out there in a dangerous situation, in a battle, but because he trusted God. And David himself said that on the battlefield. He said, hey, I come to you in the name of the Lord. Yeah. And, uh, and, and he won that battle through God's, God's victory. And then verse 110 says, the wicked have laid a snare. Now that's a little different. You know, there's that face-to-face -face conflict, and then there are the snares that the wicked lay to try to entrap us. And he said, yet I erred not from thy precepts. Who does that make you think of before I say? Oh, I'm not sure. Well, Bible character, if I let me narrow it down. Old Testament. Prophets. Abraham. Oh, prophets? Well, I'm just giving you different. Okay. Abraham could be fine. Abraham I, may be it. I thought I thought Abraham, because he went to a country which he knew not, and he had to follow God step by step along the way and didn't know the course of the path. Well, when I think of uh, someone having the snare set, I think of Daniel. Mm -hmm. Daniel chapter 6, yep. they had King Darius write the decree that said, anybody who prays to any god other than you, O king, will be thrown in the den of lions. But Daniel 6.10 says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. And so Daniel was willing to trust in God's deliverance in that even when the snares had been set for him, he did not stray from following God's word and being obedient. The, whole, the reason I was so taken aback when you asked me that question is as you were talking uh, an image came into my mind. I've seen this before, and I have no interest in ever partaking in it, but it's kind of an, an example of, of what you see in verse 110. I've seen people before that have strung out a whole bunch of Legos all over a floor before and blindfolded one person, and then the other person that could see was going to give them step-by-step -step directions. Child's play. Yeah. I'm sure there's way worse than you could, but I, I guess the, the point that I'm thinking of is I would have a hard time trusting somebody else to give me clear directions. But in a much greater sense, that's that's what you see here is when you put your trust in, in the life of, or when you put your life in the trust of the Lord, there's so much around us that, I mean, our pitfalls every single place that you go. But to truly trust and say, Lord, I, I'm just, I'm going to take the steps that you're outlining for me. And I, I'm not going to panic and and fret over the possibilities because I know you will not lead me into anything that you would have me not to go towards. Well, you know, when we were in the uh, conference thing we were in last week and they were asking for the worst ever youth activity, yeah. um, I guess we could have given one. Or this would be a good worst ever youth activity for all those youth leaders out there because that, that little illustration thing you just gave, I saw that done one time with mousetraps. Oh, my goodness. No, no shoes. No, 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 no. Blindfold the guy, and he's got to trust the other guy to walk him through 
the field of mouse traps. There were rat traps too, like big ones. Yeah. You know what I say to that? <laughs> Forget about it. No Where's way in faith, the world. Where's your faith, man? No, not in that guy because <laughs> I've got messed up friends. You want to keep your toes. Yeah. Well, let's see if we can uh, get these last two verses. Verse 111 says, Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever. They are the rejoicing of my heart. And what I see here is the intentionality of rejoicing in the preciousness of God's testimony. And when we say, he says, you know, thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever. What he's realizing or he's expressing here is whose word matters the most. Mm -hmm. You know, we can say what we say, people can say what they say, but it's what God says that matters the most. And in Psalm 16, uh, verse 5 and 6, The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. There's so much to be excited about in, in terms of what God has promised us and to intentionally say, there's where my rejoicing is going to be. For sake of time, I won't turn and read it, but if you went to 1 Peter 1 and read verse 3 through 8, there's that passage that talks about that lively hope we have and that, that um, oh, what's the word that he uses? Um, the inheritance, the incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away inheritance that's laid up for us in heaven. And uh, it, it's very encouraging to just take God at his word and rejoice in what he has promised. Yes. This was my favorite verse in the section right here was verse 111. Because, you know, this, this uh, taken as an heritage, there are, there are things that my, my dad and my grandfather have as possessions that I have my eye on one day, not because they carry any kind of great, intrinsic wealth or anything like that but they carry a lot of value because of what they represent and i i'm i want those things to hold with me so of all of the stuff that they have those are the things that i've looked at and say those are the most valuable things that my dad and my grandfather own that's what i read that the psalmist here says my heritage the thing that you're going to leave to me the thing that i that carries the most precious value to me is your word your testimonies, the things that you have taught me, the things that you have spoken to me, and they carry greater value more than riches and you know prosperous streams and all of the other wonderful things. I don't know of any prosperous streams, but I'm sure they're out there somewhere. But of all the stuff, you know, I think of like Solomon. Yellow brick roads. Yellow brick roads. I think of stuff like what Solomon could have asked for, but instead he asked for wisdom, and God highlights you could have asked for this, this, this. The psalmist here says, look, of all of the valuable things that you have, the thing that I cherish and treasure the most is your word. Well, we have one more verse, verse 112. It says, I have inclined mine heart to perform thy statutes all way, even unto the end. Now, I mentioned this earlier, but this is where it ends, just like it began with resolution. So I captured this verse as meaning that the intentionality here is a resolution of piety for the journey. In other words, I'm resolved that I am going to live a godly, Bible, truth-centered life. And this is, this is what's, again, something found throughout the psalm. Go back to verse 33 through 36. You'll see him say, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to go in thy path, or in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies, and not to covetousness. And so this is his resolution of piety. I'm going to live with this holiness, with this devotion to the Word of God. I know we're about out of time, so let me see if I can just quickly close this by saying this section, again, begins and ends with resolve, but with the reality that 
even with our best intentions, our best efforts, we still are weak in our flesh. We still are drawn away into temptation or to you know, worry or fear or anger or distractions. And yet, this section teaches us the weightiness, the magnitude of declaring our faith. You know, again, speaking it, writing it, testifying of it. Malachi 3.16 is a verse that uh, I love to talk about or, or reference because it says that God keeps a record book of all those who talk about him, that they often spoke of him, and God kept a, kept a journal of it. And so God's paying attention to that, and he honors that faith. Let's declare our faith, let's be bold for the Lord, and let's go out there and keep on the way of the devout heart. So keep these things in your heart and life, and we look forward to seeing you next time. And we thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.